Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Wisconsin is an important battleground state for our campaign in 2020. The stakes in this election have never been higher for our country. We have to work harder than we ever have. We need to stand up as a nation. Former Vice President Joe Biden addressing the Wisconsin Democratic State Convention and highlighting the importance of that state in the 2020 race. Hello, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is The Daily DC. As November nears, voters in places like Wisconsin will decide how to weigh the health and race and economic crises in America as they pick their next president. And as coronavirus cases tick back up and protests continue across the country, both candidates are facing tough choices. Biden is facing increased scrutiny on his running mate pick, with some pushing for a black woman, while others argue for staunch progressive. Meanwhile, President Trump is looking to jumpstart his campaign and turn around flagging numbers with his first rally post-COVID in Tulsa, Oklahoma, scheduled for Saturday, a choice that risks igniting the spread of the virus and racial tension. So joining me now from Wisconsin to discuss more on the 2020 election is our senior Washington correspondent, Jeff Zeleny. Jeff, thanks so much for being here. Hey, David, it's great to join you. Uh, So Jeff, I would say uh, perhaps it's an understatement when Joe Biden is saying that he needs to make sure Democrats in Wisconsin are successful in November. You are uh, just arriving on the ground there in Wisconsin. What are you hoping to explore there? And what is it that you think is making that state so critical this time around? David, there's no question that Wisconsin is one of the central places we'll be looking back to again and again and again between now and uh, November 3rd. And the reason, of course, is because President Trump won Wisconsin four years ago. It's 10 electoral votes, but those electoral votes so important. It has been a democratic state in presidential elections uh, with the exception of uh, 2016. Going back to 1984, that's the last time a Republican uh, carried the state. Of course, it's been close over the years, but uh, President Trump, Donald Trump, carrying Wisconsin four years ago uh, was a shock to so many Democrats. It was the part of the so-called blue wall that crumbled Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. So we are in Wisconsin this week talking to a variety of voters, and in particular, um, African-American voters, and taking the uh, mood and the sentiment, really what has been a remarkable uh, few weeks in the aftermath of the uh, death of George Floyd and protests across the country. We are here to uh, see what voters are thinking and doing about this uh, 
election. So it's important politically and, of course, for so many other reasons. Milwaukee is ground zero of this election. Jeff, you speak of that blue wall across uh, the Midwest, of Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, and Wisconsin. I think most, at least most political operatives I have spoken to about this actually see Wisconsin as the toughest of those three uh, if you are a Democrat to try and get that back. They, I, Democrats I speak to think it is certainly possible, but what is it that makes maybe Michigan or Pennsylvania uh, gives Democrats a little bit more hope that they can bring those back into the Democratic column, but that Wisconsin uh, could be much more hard fought. Wisconsin has always been more volatile. Wisconsin is, uh, at its heart, more of a uh, conservative state. I think more Ohio, more Iowa uh, than uh, Michigan or Pennsylvania. But you know, there is no question that if Democrats can win Wisconsin, that is a roadblock for Donald Trump. So yes, there are Democrats who don't think Wisconsin is as easy as Pennsylvania or Michigan, but they do believe that it is an important place if they want to try and stop his path to a 270. But the question now is, what politically speaking is happening in the country, if anything at all? What have these protests done for politics? Have they awakened voters in a way that uh, might not have been enlightened before? So the question is, in 2016, Milwaukee saw a considerable drop-off among African-American voters supporting Hillary Clinton compared to Barack Obama in 2012 and 2008. Are those African-American voters going to be uh, motivated to come to the polls in November? And that alone could spell big trouble for President Trump. He lost the state by 23,000 votes only. And there were some 90,000 African-American eligible voters who did not vote in Milwaukee. So, of course, the burden's on Joe Biden and others to get them to the polls. But this is a central place uh, to watch. It's why Wisconsin's important. You talked about taking the pulse of voters, which you'll do there in Wisconsin. I know you were recently in Florida talking to some voters who had backed uh, President Trump in 2016. And I'm wondering, you know, the president is now moving the convention to Jacksonville. He has made it his home state. Clearly, uh, he doesn't think Florida's already totally in the bag. It's still requiring a lot of attention from him. What did you find from voters there? It definitely is requiring attention, but uh, large swaths of Florida are Trump country. It is the leading reason that uh, the president decided to move at least the nominating a part of the convention, the big show, if you will, when he gives that big speech in August to Jacksonville, Florida. And Jacksonville is in Duval County. It's the largest city in the uh, northeastern part of the state of Florida. It is a hard-fought battleground county, no question. Um, he narrowly won four years ago, but the region entirely is deep red, deeply conservative. So we traveled there a few days ago to talk to some Trump voters to see how they were holding up, how they were viewing uh, this moment. And we had a fascinating conversation with a voter. She uh, lives just outside of Jacksonville. Take a listen to what she said. Her name is Karen Dieter. She is a retiree in Florida, moved there from Illinois. And this is how she assessed the campaign five months before Election Day. I was a supporter of his. Um, I have issues with his approach to things, but um, I don't feel the Democratic candidate right now is very strong or would be able to take the nation further. So come November, I probably will support him again, unless there's just a total collapse. Unless there's just total collapse. So I mean, Karen what? Dieter, uh, <laughs> I, I went and asked her about that. She said, I guess we'll know it when we see it. But the point here is she voted for 
President Trump four years ago and thinks she will again, not that she loves him. In fact, she wishes uh, his demeanor would change. She wishes he wouldn't uh, be so aggressive and caustic. She's like, no tweeting. But that said, she's like, pre-coronavirus, the economy was going well, and she thinks largely she agrees with his policy. So it shows you that just uh, not a love for Donald Trump does not mean that you're not going to vote for him. You know, a vote is a vote. I said, is it like you're holding, you're a nose to vote? She said it may be that way come November, but she said she still might do it. So important to keep in mind for all Democrats out there who think that everything that President Trump uh, does, you know, is uh, is a disaster, or you think he's not doing it right. There are plenty of people who don't love it, but they may vote for him anyway. Yeah, I mean, this is, to me, uh, it's one of the biggest questions about the election because so much, Jeff, of the 2016 election was these two candidates that were widely not popular or not you know, liked by the American people. And you know that in 2016, among all those voters who didn't like either of them, they went with the new guy in Trump, right? And now uh, it'll be curious with Joe Biden, whose favorables are better than Hillary Clinton's uh, were in 2016, if those voters end up falling his way, even if uh, those that were really into President Trump stay with him, it just seems a trickier proposition for him to find lots of voters like the one you just heard from. Exactly. And yeah, every election we've seen, and we do know that Donald Trump uh, manages to avoid some traditional rules of politics, but every election we've seen is this is a referendum on the incumbent. He has his record to a run on. So it inspires some people, but it certainly drives uh, his detractors as well. So that is what is going to be the biggest difference from four years ago that he has been president, he is president, and he could be president again. No one, uh, a lot of people didn't take it quite as seriously four years ago. But the reality is, can Donald Trump expand his base or can he not? And so far, we've seen very little indication that he's trying to, but they do believe that they can find the Trump campaign, uh, people who are Trump supporters who may not have voted for him four years ago as well. They believe that they can sort of uh, deepen their base. So the next four and a half months or so, it's, a fascinating mathematical uh, equation going on as well. Speaking of Trump's base, as you know, few things among his most ardent supporters uh, get them going as much as a Trump rally, obviously. And you know there's one scheduled on Saturday in Tulsa. We now have the city's top public health official asking the president not to hold that rally, saying he's concerned that he won't be able to protect the attendees and the president himself uh, from spread of the virus. And we saw, it's amazing, these two huge stories, right? The protests for racial equality in America and this pandemic that is still very much uh, raging across America. It's sort of converging on the president's rally. He moved the date off of that uh, Juneteenth, June 19th date, but he still has now the lead health official, the newspaper in Tulsa editorial board saying this should not be happening. His own advisor saying people should wear masks. We know he doesn't want the crowd to be all in masks. So what do you make of the pressure under Donald Trump about this rally now, given the virus? He's going forward full speed and America is reopened. Damn the consequences. And I think that, you know, they want to project his campaign and he himself wants to project this era that, you know, this era that America is open for business. And the best way he can do that is to be at a rally. That's what he believes is the key ingredient to his reelection campaign. He feeds off the energy. He almost needs that shot of adrenaline, I guess, if you will. But Look, I mean, it could have disastrous consequences in terms of the health fallout. His campaign says that a million people have signed up online. 
we should be very skeptical of any big number like that. But they certainly will have a full arena of some 20,000 people there. And the, you know, it would interrupt the narrative that the president is trying to uh, create about you know, how the country is open for business, the economy is uh, soon to be booming again if he would cancel this rally. So I would be surprised if something would happen between now and Saturday to uh, cancel this uh, rally. I'm not sure what type of health warning there would have to be for the campaign to react to it. But one thing that you know, is not being changed across the country the president himself and the Trump campaign have blamed Democratic governors for uh, not uh, being open enough. The North Carolina governor, of course, uh, most famously for not guaranteeing a convention. But there are things being closed in red states across the country as well. One thing that caught my eye last week, the Iowa State Fair, a place where President Trump likely may have gone to campaign, as he did in 2015 and 2016, that is canceled for the first time since World War II because they do not believe that they should have a gathering like that. So there are red state gatherings being canceled as well. So yes, he can still hold these rallies, but he's not you know, sort of changing the narrative that people see out there in their daily lives, that summer is different and things are different. And can we just take a moment ourselves to mourn that the Iowa State Fair is not happening since you and I have had uh, many a fun day together at the Iowa State Fair over the course of covering politics? No question, it is very sad. And we'll be back with a lot more from Jeff Zeleny. We're back with senior Washington correspondent Jeff Zeleny. Jeff, the other piece of the president's rally is, of course, what he'll say, because I do think it's one thing to go into the Rose Garden and address the message they want to push that day on the virus, or if indeed he, uh, when he went to the SpaceX launch in Florida and addressed uh, George Floyd's murder. But the context of a rally we've seen in the past, and the president hasn't had one in months, where he just does this, you know, amazing spectacle of a show and his rambling thoughts and he is handing out that red meat to the base. And if he's going to do that on these issues of, of the virus and the economic impact of the virus and the quest for racial equality in America, it just seems like that that is tonally the potential for him to be off from where a majority of America is. I think without question, and that's sort of where he has been recently, really over the last uh, couple weeks or so, really struggling to uh, get in step with where the majority of the country is, including his party. I mean, look what is happening on Capitol Hill, at least talk of police reform and other matters. And he has talked about it a touch, but you're right. A rally is something where he's never been able to uh, help himself, if you will, from completely going to his base instincts that are loved in the room and they give Republicans across the country, particularly those who are also standing for re-election, huge headaches. Every single Republican senator and House member and others who are running for re-election, I almost promise you will be uh, watching that with uh, some bit of trepidation because they will be asked to comment on something that he says. And it is one reason that Republicans we talk to across the board are nervous about his re-election, and even more than that, are nervous about what his re-election is doing for the rest of the party. Yeah, I, I mean, bet Mitch take, McConnell go back to will Iowa be watching for, that for go sure. Go back to Iowa for one example right. that we were just talking about. Joni Ernst's poll out this weekend shows she's in a completely uh, tied-up race with Teresa Greenfield, the Democrat there. That's not, that, that isn't even in the first four states Chuck Schumer is trying to count on to, to win back the majority. But if that race is in trouble, that, that has less to do with Joni Ernst, doesn't it, and more to do with Donald Trump. 
No question. It has to do with the Republican brand, the level of exhaustion over this Republican president and what he has done for the party. And when you talk to Republican establishment leaders and others who don't love Donald Trump, but they have gone along with everything because that is sort of what you have to do, uh, they are very worried about sort of where things stand for the party. How does the brand of the party sort of improve upon itself uh, over the next few months? The best way is to take down uh, Democrats and to you know try and uh, muddy them up. But we'll see if that's enough here. So these rallies are uh, perilous, uh, not just from a health perspective, but a political one perhaps as well. So before I let you go, and you are in Wisconsin, I do want to touch just briefly on Joe Biden's search for a running mate and where that stands at the moment. I say Wisconsin because we saw a New York Times report uh, over the weekend that suggested that one of the state senators, Tammy Baldwin, is very much uh, in the mix and being vetted for the job. Obviously, we continue to see these efforts, Jeff, from many places inside the Democratic Party to have Joe Biden put a black woman on the ticket, uh, given the current context of what the country is going through. And then today we also saw this letter from Elizabeth Warren supporters to Joe Biden, staunch Warren supporters who really think she makes most sense both politically and substantively, uh, given where the economy is going to be when this should Biden win and, and take over the presidency. What's the latest standing? And specifically, do you think putting somebody from Wisconsin on like Tammy Baldwin in play really could make the difference in those 10 electoral votes that we were talking about at the top? I mean, there's no question that uh, Tammy Baldwin is a very popular politician. She's uh, won a re-election um, across the board in Wisconsin pretty easily for years. So I do think it would actually uh, help him in Wisconsin. But I do not think, you know, just based on all the uh, Biden advisors and Biden world contemporaries that I speak with, he is not looking for someone to help him win a state. A, it's risky. You never know if it's going to work. But B, he is looking for a governing partner. But we cannot ignore the moment in which this is happening. This uh, you know, was an entirely different conversation the last time we talked about this. I mean, as much as you know, just a few weeks ago, Amy Klobuchar was, uh, was largely seen as one of the leading contenders. The events of Minneapolis and the fact that she was the uh, Hennepin County attorney there, the prosecuting attorney for uh, Minneapolis, the fact that you know, her department and the police department have a history of issues, not that she was necessarily involved with. It is just that changed everything. So I do not think that in any presidential race that I've covered, uh, someone chooses a running mate based on one event alone. But what we're seeing now is not one event alone. We have never seen the movement like this happening, these protests in the streets uh, across the country that will continue all summer, that will be the soundtrack to this campaign. So most Biden advisors I speak with believe that he is more likely to choose a person of color, that Kamala Harris, the senator from California, is still very much in the driver's seat on this, as well as some others, uh, the Atlanta mayor and Orlando congresswoman, um, others. But uh, And Tammy Baldwin, I believe, is in the mix. Elizabeth Warren also being vetted. He has to be vetting a variety of people here. But uh, most people who know Joe Biden well at this point, would be surprised if he would not pick a person of color. And he says someone who's ready on day one. So all roads lead to uh, a Senator Harris more than others. Of course, things can change. It is only June. He's giving himself some time you know, by not announcing till August 1st here. But uh, I think we know where this is heading. And then, of course, there's the, as you said, acknowledging the moment we're in, which could not at all be the moment we're in August 1st. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. It's great to join you, David. Take care. 
And a special thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, please do so using the hashtag TheDailyDC. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.